Well, I'm excited today because I shared in color that this message really has been on my heart, and uh, I've been mulling and thinking about it, um, and it's just something I know the Lord dropped in my spirit. We're continuing the series, Living and Leading Like Jesus. Living and Leading Like Jesus. And if there was a subtitle to this message, it would be, Do What You Want Done. Do What You Want Done. Jesus is the one that shows us that you really want to be an effective and productive leader. Do what you want done. Throughout this series, I've been pointing out that if you are a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to live and lead like him. We've looked at two different verses out of John the Apostle's writings in his first letter, 1 John 2, 6 says, 1 John 2, 6, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And then in 1 John 4, 17, we read in 1 John 4, 17, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because... We live like Jesus here in this world. We live like Jesus here in this world. I shared with you that there was a book that I finished a few months ago entitled The Jesus Principles, written by Pastor Joseph Matera. And this book really struck a chord with me. In fact, it was the impetus, the inspiration for this series. And in his book, he writes a paragraph that I want to share with you. He says, we have to have more than just good oratory and rhetoric. And we have to do more than mere sermonizing if we are going to help people release their potential. Then he says, truly the most effective tool for releasing potential is mentoring And becoming a role model. There was an ex-NBA basketball player that said, I am not a role model. But let me say to us that are believers, we are called to be role models. There's no escaping it. We are called to be role models. And he concludes this paragraph by stating the following. Jesus motivated his disciples to achieve greatness by embodying a servant leadership style in which he never asked anyone to do something he didn't first model. Did you get that? He never asked anyone to do something that he didn't first model. Jesus was the ultimate effective, productive leader. And he was a role model. And he invested his time in mentoring others. He encouraged them by setting the example that he wished for them to follow. Pastor Mark Romero posted the following pic on his Facebook page. Notice what it says. It talks about when Jesus receives his servants. He says, well done. My good and faithful, not pastor, not bishop, 
evangelist, apostle, preacher, missionary, teacher, singer, worship leader, but well done, my good and faithful servant. Those are the words by which the Lord is going to honor those that He's going to reward because of their faithfulness to Him while they were on earth. What makes us great in the kingdom of God is not the title that we don, but the towel that we wear. What makes us great in the kingdom of God is not the title that we don, but the towel that we wear. And Jesus illustrates this so powerfully in the passage we're going to look at today in John 13, verses 3 through 17 in the New King James. John 13, verses 3 through 17, we read, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that He had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside His garments, took a towel, And girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you, he says, an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. One of the things that I notice about Jesus is this. Jesus was a secure leader. In fact, he is the most secure leader that has ever walked the face of the earth. He exemplified what secure leaders do. Jesus in this passage Illustrated by example, what secure leaders do. The first thing we see is that secure leaders serve. Secure leaders serve. Think about it. Jesus was about to lower himself, literally stooping in humble service to his disciples. And he served in this humble way. He did not do it from weakness. He did it from a position of all authority. Because the Father had given all things into His hands. You read that in the Scripture there in verse 3. The Father had given Him all things into His hands. Now I want you to notice something very important here. The knowledge that the Father had given all things into His hands led Him to serve with His hands. The knowledge... That the Father had given all things, all authority into His hands, led Him to serve with His hands. You know what this tells me? 
that strong leaders serve. Strong leaders serve. Secure leaders serve. There are those that have this faulty idea that the more you get elevated, the more you get promoted, the higher your position, the less that you ought to serve. In fact, you're stronger if you have more serving you. But Jesus teaches us that's not security, that's insecurity. People that have to walk around with a chip on their shoulder and feel like they are no longer obligated to serve, they're not secure, they're revealing their insecurity. When you know that you have all authority and you can stoop and serve, that tells me that you are secure in who you are and what you have and what God has given you. Secure leaders serve. I like what J. Donald Walter stated. He said, leadership is an opportunity to serve. It is not a trumpet call to self-importance. The word servant, according to Mark Grisham, is found 885 times in the Bible. Never capitalized. And he concludes by stating, true greatness is not capitalizing on ourselves. If a person is truly great, they are not seeking for more privileges. In fact, I have learned that in leadership, truly, when you, if you want to go up, you've got to be willing to give up. Especially in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. In the kingdom of God, to go up, you got to be willing to give up. You don't gain more privileges. You give up your privileges in order to be a blessing unto others. And you look at the New Testament. What do you discover? James, Jude, Pete, Paul. They refer to themselves as servants or the Greek word doulos of God. And the, this word doulos for servant, it implies absolute obedience absolute humility absolute loyalty yet behind it the word implies a sense of honor a sense of honor because truth be told there is no greater honor than being a servant of God there is no greater honor than being a doulos of God in his daily Bible commentary William Barclay points out that the title, the, that the greatest ones of the Old Testament were known by was servant. Moses was the servant or doulos of God. 1 Kings 8.53, Daniel 9.11, Malachi 4.4. So were Joshua and Caleb. They were referred to as servants of God in Joshua 24.29, Numbers 14.24. So were the great patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in Deuteronomy 9.27. So was Job in Job 1.8. And so was Isaiah in Isaiah 20 verse 3. And so were the prophets, Amos, Zechariah, Jeremiah. What does the Bible reveal? That the only greatness to which Christians can ever aspire is that of being the servant of God. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Become God's servant. Become one that willingly and voluntarily says, Here I am, Lord. Here is your servant. Here is your servant ready and willing and present to fulfill what you want accomplished. Again, secure leaders serve. 
Then secondly, secure leaders stoop. Secure leaders stoop. One of the ways that the Greek word translated in verse 4 as laid aside is defined is to bend downward. To bend downward. Also, to bend or bow the knees. To kneel. Again, one of the ways that the Greek word translated as laid aside in verse 4 is defined as to bend downward. To bend or bow the knees. To kneel. We see that Jesus not only laid aside his garments, as verse 4 says, but when it says he laid aside, it also is making reference to what he would ultimately do. He would stoop down. He would bend his knees in order to be, take the, the, the basin and then wash his disciples' feet. He was willing to stoop in order to serve. This is what secure leaders do. They're willing to stoop. They're willing to get low in order to be a blessing unto others. Now, laid aside his garments according to the John Wesley Study Bible. It has been said that the translation for laid aside can be translated as laying down one's life. In fact, Jesus in John 15, 13, he said, Greater love has no man than this, than that a man should lay down his life for his friends. How do we know that Jesus cared for his disciples is that he was willing to stoop in order to serve them. He was willing to stoop in order to meet the need of the moment in their lives. And this is what secure leaders do. They find a need and they fill it. They find a hurt and they heal it. Secure leaders are observing what is the need and they're ready and willing to fill that need. Even if it means I have to bend down. Even if it means I have to get low. That's what secure leaders are willing to do I love what James Merritt points out he says I know this goes against the grain of both the culture and cultural Christianity but if Jesus loved the church enough to give his life for it believers ought to love the church enough to give their life to it Jesus gave his life for the church and we ought to be willing to give our lives to the church Now, you know that we are not calling you to be here seven days a week. But we are asking that as God reveals to you, this is what I've gifted you to do. And this is how you can utilize your gift to be of service in the house of God. Then I'm telling you, when you respond in the affirmative and say, God, here am I to serve. I'm willing to stoop and serve by what you've gifted me to do in order that your house can be blessed. I'm telling you, you please God in that way. You honor God that way. You're telling Jesus in a in a tangible way your sacrifice was not in vain because you've redeemed me but not only did you redeem me but you've gifted me to be able to be a blessing, to be a benefit to be productive, to be effective. Here I am Lord I'm willing to stoop to serve not because I have to but because I want to because of what you did you gave the ultimate sacrifice and in response and gratitude here I am. I'm not talking about living in balance, but I'm saying that just like you're willing to volunteer for other things, you ought to be willing to volunteer and give of yourself for the kingdom of God. Secure leaders serve. Secure leaders stoop.
Secure leaders stretch. Secure leaders stretch. I've told you that in life you're going to discover there are people that would be under the category of EGRs. What do you mean? Extra grace required. Yeah. There are people that you're going to cross your paths or that you're going to be called to lead or to serve that it's going to require extra grace to serve them. I love what C.H. Spurgeon says, even though it's challenging. This is what C.H. Spurgeon said. If there be any deed of kindness or love that we can do for the very meanest and most obscure of God's people, we ought to be willing to do it to be servants to God's servants. I want you to think about this. This dropped in my spirit as I was meditating on this John 13, 3-17 passage. Watch this. Jesus not only washed dirty feet, He was washing the feet of those who would do Him dirty. Now, if it was me, and I have the knowledge that Jesus had. I don't know if I could wash the feet of the disciples the way he did. He did it gently. I would have been there like, hmm, Peter. Hmm. Having the knowledge and having told him, yeah, I know you said you, you'd be willing to. Go all the way to the cross for me, but you're going to deny me three times. Now, if I had that knowledge that this guy that I'm washing dirt off of his feet is going to do me dirty within a few hours, I would have probably <clears throat> dislocated a toe in the washing process. And then I come to Judas, that I have the knowledge he's going to betray me. And he's going to sell me out for the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver. I would have did more than dislocated his toe. I would have twisted his ankle. Y'all be like, what's the matter with you? Come on. you. Somebody cut you off. What do you do? Oh, God bless you. Yeah, right. And then I'm washing Thomas's feet. Who I know that even after I die and I'm buried and raised again in three days... He's going to doubt that I've rose again. I would have broken one and then the other. Think about it. The feet of the disciples that he was washing would scurry away when the pressure would be on. They would all desert him. But yet he stretched, serving them graciously, kindly, diligently. He didn't leave their feet half-washed. He cleaned them completely. He got out all the dirt and grime off their feet of these that would deny him, betray him, desert him. Jesus was willing to stretch 
Listen, in leadership, not everybody that's going to follow is going to be easy to serve. But Jesus teaches us we serve them anyways with the best that we have. I love what Kent M. Keith in his poem shares because it reveals the requirements of a stretching life. Kent M. Keith wrote this following poem. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs but follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help but may attack you if you do help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. CWC Life, CB Family, you see, to live this way requires a willingness to stretch. But look at our ultimate role model, Jesus Christ. He was willing to stretch in serving his followers. And what was the fruit of it? Think about it. Of the 12 leaders that he invested in, that he mentored, that he was a role model to, only one left him, but the other 11, after his death, burial, and resurrection, they would follow his command and wait in the upper room to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They were able to change their world. Why did they give Jesus their lives as well? Because Jesus gave his life to them while he was living. And then at the cross, Jesus stretched. He stretched. He stretched to reveal, my love for you is unconditional. I'm going to do whatever it takes to redeem you. I'm going to do whatever it takes to release you from the bondage of sin. I'm going to stretch so that you can be freed from sins, habit, hurt, and hang You can be free from the penalty, power of sin through me. Jesus stretched for them. And what happened? These 11 of the 12 that stayed loyal to them. You read in history, they became martyrs, most of them, except John. They were willing to die. Why? Because of the one that served them. Willing to stoop. Willing to stretch. 
I'm saying to us here, we can change our world. I'm not talking about the whole world, but the world that you and I are in position to influence and impact every day. We can change the world. Our world in which God has placed us of influence. We can change it if we're willing to follow the way of Jesus through His power. Serve. Stoop. Stretch. In his book, Running with the Giants, John Maxwell writes, Imagine what the world would be like if Michelangelo had said, I don't do ceilings. Noah had said, I don't do boats. Moses had said, I don't do rivers. David had said, I don't do Goliaths. Mary had said, I don't do virgin births. John the Baptist had said, I don't do baptisms. Peter had said, I don't do Gentile discipleship. Paul had said, I don't do letters. Jesus had said, I don't do crosses. Imagine what our world would be like if it had not been for them giving God their yes and saying, whatever you've gifted me to do and you call me to do, I will do it, Lord. Here am I, as Isaiah said, send me. I'm willing. The interview was with Martha, or Mother Teresa, rather, of Calcutta, India. Mother Teresa, if you've studied her life, she gave her life to feed starving people and later to minister to the dying. In this article, the the writer asked Mother Teresa about her feelings of being used of God to minister to the poor than the world. Her little work was known worldwide, and even the President of the United States knew her and her love labor. And this is how she answered in response to the question. She said, But it is His work. I think God wants to show His greatness by using my nothingness. She was asked later, you feel you have no special qualities? This was her reply. This was her reply. I don't think so. I don't claim anything of the work. It is His work and I am like a little pencil in His hand. That is all. He does the thinking. He does the writing. The pencil has nothing to do with it. The pencil has only to be allowed to be used. And I love this quote from Mother Teresa. We are all pencils in the hand of a writing God who is sending love letters to the world. I'm asking you today, are you willing to be a pencil in the hand of God? And allow Him to write a love letter to the world through you. It's not about my ability. It's about my availability. Because my availability plus His ability 
will result in my world being changed as I work with him in partnership. As we say here at CWCCB Life, in the kingdom of God, towels come before titles. I'm not impressed by the titles that people don. What impacts me is the towels that they're willing to wear. I've come across people that have titles, but they refuse to wear towels. I'm not impacted by that. That's why I love the spirit and the attitude that was exemplified and that is lived out by our guest from last week, Dennis Gaxiola. He's right. When I asked him, how much do you want? He said, no, just we're family. You do the best you can. And I'll do my best. Look what happened. God ministered, huh? But I know there's people that they, they want to come and then it's like, but make sure you have this kind of water for me. Uh, I not only want this honorarium, I want to make sure that in my room this is, this is, this is. And look, we offer to be a blessing. We do. But I have a problem when you think that you've arrived to a point where it's all about you. Because in the kingdom, it's not about you or me. It's about Him. And we cannot forget that if it wasn't for Him, we would have nothing to present that would be effective and productive. It's only because of Him. And therefore, our, our disposition should be always, I am here to serve. I shared in Cutler that when I've been invited to speak, I've been asked the same question. How much do you charge? And I say, look, all I ask is you do your best because I'm going to bring my best. And let me tell you, up till now, God has been faithful to bless me in ways that when I look at them, I'm like, how did that happen? And God reminds me because you have learned to remember that it's not about you it's about me and that the gift you have it's not because of you it's because of my mercy it's because of my grace and don't you forget it and the words of Rick Pino if you're too big to serve then you're too small to lead Jesus was the epitome of a secure leader Secure leaders serve. Secure leaders stoop. Secure leaders stretch. In my life, I've been impacted by secure leaders. And you know how they've impacted me? It hasn't been by the great sermons that they've preached behind platform on a platform behind a podium no it's been through observing people of stature titles serving I went through a discipleship program called the, at that time it was the Crusaders for Christ in Vista California our leader our director was Alex Bassan but what impacted me was one day Pastor Alex Bassan invited me to join him to set up at a mission. He says, I want you to come and join me. And what, what I saw impacted me because we went to this area that, that he was renting from a fellowship hall in order to have a service for the, the Spanish-speaking people of that community. And here I see my leader unstacking chairs, setting up the rows. So that we could have service Sunday after Sunday. And I'm thinking, but he's our leader. 
Of course, I helped him, but I was like, he should have just brought all the guys. And we could have helped. We could have did this. And, but no, week after week, he'd be serving. What impacted me was watching another leader, not only a Bible school teacher, but a pastor. As he would be in his fellowship hall and he'd, he'd be sweeping the fellowship hall to get it ready for the class that his church would be hosting for a Bible institute. That was my father-in-law, Esteban Camarillo. And I would be like, but here's a man who has given years to ministry. And... But he had no qualms. He did it with a servant heart. That impacted me. And then I remember one day I was talking to a man that was a deacon of my dad's church, Paul Sadania. And I remember him telling me, your dad impacted me in many ways. But he says, in one particular, I remember your dad telling the church that by a certain date, we were going to have the stage redone here at our church here in Stockton. The day was closing in. It's four o'clock in the morning on Sunday. And we finally got it done. He says, your dad was battling cancer in his body. And there he is, hammering away. And we told him, Pastor, go home. You don't need to be here. We'll take care of you. He said, no. I said, we were going to get it done. And he saw it through. Those things are what impact me. Not the title that people wear but the towel that they're willing to gird. And it's not because they're doing it in order to be seen. It's because they're doing it for the one that they know didn't have to serve us and stretch and give His all to redeem us. Let me say to you, you want to be a secure leader? then always remember we are serving the one who served the best up for us. We're not doing this because we have to. We're doing it because we want to. We love Him because He first loved us. And He loved us with the love that we can never repay. That there's nothing we can do that would suffice to say we have balanced the, the, the account for what He did for us. No, there's no way. But the good news is that as we serve Him, not only does He acknowledge it and say thank you, but ultimately He says when you come and you enter my pearly gates and you walk on my streets of gold, I will let you know that I know what you did. You served with a heart of service. And I'm going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter, enter into the joy. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Father, I thank you for your son Jesus, the indescribable gift. And Jesus, I thank you You're more than a role model. You're the Redeemer. You're the Savior.
today, I first want to say thank you. Thank you for stretching. Stretching on a cross so that I could be redeemed. I could be released from the penalty and power of sin. I want to thank you for the way you served your disciples. But more than that, the way you've served it up for me. Because I can attest like the psalmist, you prepare a table before me. (laughs) In the presence of mine enemies. You serve it up. Mm. We are satisfied in your house with good things. The psalmist was right. You satisfy my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. You serve it up day by day. Your mercies, your grace, your loving kindness, your faithfulness, God. Thank you. Serve it up. Now, Father, here we are. We wait on you. And I ask right now, show us. Show us what you've gifted us with, each one of us. As we're waiting on you, Lord, show us what you've gifted us with. Right now. We decide, like the eleven of the twelve, to say, Lord, I'm available to utilize the gift that you've given me to serve your purpose in the world of influence that you've set me in. Here I am. Here I am. We are your hands extended, Lord. Here we are. Work through our hands. Work through our lives. We give you our yes, Lord. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. 